Welcome to the Real Talk Real Estate Podcast with hosts Aleem Savani and Brandon Daniel. Welcome to Real Talk Real Estate for another episode. My name is Aleem Savani with my co-host Brendan, who will be joining us shortly. He's just stuck in some traffic. Um, today, I have the pleasure of having our home inspector, um, TJ from I Inspect GTA. TJ, welcome very much for coming. Thank you for having me on your show. So, yeah, I'm just going to dive right into it. Um, tell us, it. Uh, yeah, Tell us a little bit about your background, like what made you become a home inspector. It's not something that a lot of people think about. Um, no, it's not. I, I never even thought of, I was uh, going to become a home yeah. inspector. I have a lot of uh, background in uh, sales and um, restaurants, actually. That's what I've been Those doing restaurants. since I was, yeah, since yeah. I was 14, there's a lot of restaurants and then uh, sales. So never did I think of and um, becoming a home inspector. Uh, I got into it because I bought my first house in uh, 2007 and it was a brand new house in Markham. And um, the second, first year um, builder warranty, the Terrion warranty came up and I had no idea what to look for. So this was in 2008. And uh, so I hired a home inspector actually uh, to come and look at it. And he found about, I think like 45, 50 defects uh, in the house. And then that was all, uh, you know, submitted to Terrion. And then the builder came and fixed everything. But, uh, you know, he was there for maybe two, two and a half hours. And this was in 2008. Uh, at that time, he charged me $500. Um, and, you know, he basically walked around, looked at some stuff, documented some stuff on a piece of paper, gave me the piece of paper, said, send it into your builder and uh, send it into Terion. And I was like, wow, this is a pretty good gig for, you know, $500 for like two hours. Um, so it got me interested at that time. And then... Uh, into 2011, when I sold that house, I wanted to start my own business. I had some money left over. Um, so I went to some franchise shows and, you know, just trying to see what I can do. And yeah. then it, uh, there was a bunch of home inspection franchises there. So I'm like, oh, this is something I looked into or I was kind of interested in. So I looked into it. I initially and then uh, ended up purchasing a home inspection franchise. Oh, so you purchased a home inspection franchise yes. first. Yeah. Okay. It was called uh, Buyer's Choice Home Inspections. And then I was sent out to Florida for about two weeks to do some training there. Nice. Um, on-hands training, actually. But before that, I had to do the educational stuff, which yeah. took a lot of, about a nine months to do through Carson and Dunlop. So, yeah, it took, uh, give or take, about a year for me to get fully done and set up and educated. And then uh, in 2012 of September... I started doing, um, sorry, 2011, 2011 of, uh, September, September. I started, um, uh, started home inspections. So you were, it's been 12 years. years. You were under that franchise for how long? I was under that franchise for only about, um, three months. Uh, sorry. Uh, three, three and a half years. Three and a half years. So you owned that franchise. I owned that franchise. Franchise. Yeah. It was, uh, the Scarborough Markham. Uh, it was like, uh, area, oh, so, so, area wide, so, Scarborough Markham area, Scarborough Markham area. Yeah. yeah. So did you? So I'm gonna just pivot a little bit of my questions. I want to figure out that franchise part. Like, what was the cost involved in that? Like, so this uh, this particular franchise was about at this time when I bought it, it was about thirty thousand. Okay. And then I had to spend my own money to go to Florida for two weeks because that's where their head office was. Uh, so accommodation, this and that, everything. So oh, that that you cost. all paid for that. Yeah. Yourself. You had to pay for yeah. that. And then by the time you get all your tools and everything. So roughly it ran me about 40,000 okay, uh, to yeah. get it like done. There was other franchises, um, out there 
but uh, they were much more. There was one for fifty thousand. There was another one for seventy thousand. Yeah. Um, so there was there was a bunch of them. I just didn't want to put that much well, out. Yeah. Right. Um, and did you like? <laughs> so you you own the franchise for the geographical region. So Markham, Scarborough. Yes. Now, did they help you with marketing at all, or was that everything out of your pocket? So, some the well, no. Most of the marketing was out of Losing, my pocket. Yeah. Um, the reason that I. Uh, terminated the the franchise was it wasn't that I was getting business from the franchise. It's not like somebody would call me from head office like, "Hey, we have an inquiry in this yeah. region. Here you go." So never did I get like one lead from them. Uh, and again, the marketing I had to pay out of my pocket. Yeah, so you're basically running a business yourself, just using their name. Ba- yes, yeah. and then afterwards, it got to a point where you know, after three years or not even three years before the three years, you know, everybody just started knowing me as TJ the Home Inspector. Yeah. They didn't know, you know, it wasn't like, you know, uh, oh, TJ from a buyer show home inspections. Yeah. They just knew me as TJ, the home inspector, and they had my phone number. So people just call me and be like, hey, TJ, I need an inspection. Hey, TJ, I need an inspection. And um, and I had to give a cut out of the every inspection. That's what I was going to ask did. you. So for every inspection, what was, can you, are you allowed to divulge what was the cut? That so at that time, uh, depending on how much you charged, so it would range anywhere from like $45 to, you know, um, for, for an average house, uh, anywhere from $45 to about $60 per inspection to, I was paying to the franchise. To the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So that can add up if you're doing a bunch of. Yeah. I was yeah. paying on average, like $2,000 a month. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. For. And that could have been in your own pocket, right? Basically. basically, basically at least or it would have, it could yeah. have gone towards marketing or something. So that's why it didn't make sense. It's not that, you know, it was getting me any more business because of the name or, or anything it was, or they, they covered marketing. Uh, it didn't do any of that. So it made more sense for me to terminate and then just start my own company. Yeah. So then yeah. 2000. So what year did you start your own company then? It was, uh, I started in 20. 15. So, yeah. 2015 15, yeah. Jan, Feb. Yeah, Feb okay. I uh, started uh, my own, uh, I inspect GTA and then it's, uh, now it's, Eight years now. Wow, eight years. Eight years yeah. yeah, and you're keeping that two thousand dollars in your pocket every month. Yeah, if not more. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But are you solo right now, or are you run the show yourself, or do you have employees? No, I, I run the show myself. Yeah. Um, when I'm too busy, I do have other inspectors that I work with. So these are all guys from my old franchise who also all terminated around oh, the wow. three four year mark. Yeah. So I met a lot of these guys during the um, training seminar uh, session in Florida. And most of them were all from Ontario. So all of them are on their own now. So I am still in touch with them. So whenever I'm too busy, I do uh, call these guys and they'll, you know, they're more than happy to pick up an inspection here and there. Um, so. No, which yeah. is amazing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, and now I'll get right into home inspection questions. A little background, their specialties is. Um, what would you tell buyers the main reason, or what is the main reason that someone should do a home inspection? Because, some people say you don't need a home inspection, right? I'll save that money. Um, but what is the main reason or what's the benefit of getting a home inspection? Well, you're probably making the biggest purchase of your life, buying a home. For most people, it's yeah. the biggest purchase of their life. So um, is a home inspection able to see anything and everything? No. There is restrictions. There's stuff that you're not, you might not be able to see behind the walls or maybe they have too much storage um, weather might be a factor. Like if there's, if it's winter and it's snowed all night, uh, we get to the home inspection, the roof might be covered. You will not be able to check the roof. 
you don't know what condition the shingles might be in. Yeah. The um, other thing is uh, ACs. You cannot physically turn on an AC and check it in the winter. Um, if there's too much snow covering the foundation wall, you won't be able to check the foundation from the outside. Uh, if it's an unfinished basement, then you might be able to check it from the inside. If it's a finished basement, so there is a lot of restrictions. So just because you do a home inspection doesn't mean that you're 100% um, fully covered. So that's in all honesty. But um, you will be able to know at least 80%, maybe 90 sometimes even 100% of what you're buying. Um, really depends and each house is different. Um, but you know, you spending four or $500 to, you know, one, especially if you're a first time buyer, you're going to be yeah. educated on what to look out for, how to maintain uh, certain things in the winter, uh, what to do in the summer, um, you know, where the shutoff valves are, how to change your furnace filter, all these things. And um, you go through all that with the, yes. with the agent or the, mm -hmm. the client that's there, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes, we do. We educate them you know, uh, what to do in the winter, what not to do, what to do in the summer, what not to do, what you should be looking out for, how you can, you know, do things to prevent things from breaking down, what kind of maintenance you should be doing or how often you should be changing your furnace filter. So these are all things that, you know, 90% of um, uh, purchasers, they do not they have don't, a clue. Oh, yeah. So talking about furnace furnaces, so how often do you change a furnace filter so people know? So- Typically, uh, depending on the size of your filter, usually, uh, you know, a one inch filter, you should be changing every three months. So basically every season you should be changing the furnace filter. You do have the four inch filters, which are much thicker. Those you change every six months. Okay. Um, so it, you should be changing it because, you know, it collects all the dust, the debris and any impurities uh, in the air. So that should be can, changed. This might be a stupid question, but can the filter itself, like if it's really dirty, can it catch on fire when it's the the, the The filter won't catch on fire. What will happen is in some cases, the filter gets so bad that it basically just breaks apart and then goes and it gets stuck inside the oh, furnace okay. or the duct. Like I've seen filters like pretty much deteriorated. Uh, the other thing is when it's so full, the air won't flow. So you're not going to get airflow That's throughout true. the house. That's and true, then- yeah. If it's in the, so a few things will happen when there's no airflow in the house. So one, if it's winter, you're not going to be getting any hot air coming into the, you know, the designated areas. Uh, in the summer, if the fresh air doesn't flow, what happens is the AC coils start to freeze up. And then sometimes you go and you'll literally see a block of ice built around the entire oh. AC coil from the exterior unit coming all the way in. And then, uh, you're just going to get normal air. It's not going to be cold air. So you might think that, oh, my furnace, I'm um, sorry, my AC is not working. It's actually because it's fully frozen. That's happened to me a few times personally. Yeah, no, well. I, I didn't change my filter. I didn't know that you had to change it so often and the air wasn't circulating properly. Yeah. So when I pulled out the filter, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It was dirty. Then I put you on it and everything started working. But yeah, yeah I didn't. I didn't know that you had to do that. No, every, it's, it's, again, a lot yeah, of people don't. Yeah. So this is something that, you know, we educate buyers on, uh, on a home inspection. Yeah. Now, when you're doing a home inspect inspection, like what are the main things you are looking for to advise a buyer that there's issues? Like, I know sometimes there's like issues where like the staircase is a little loose, but that's like a quick fix, right? Like you don't, yes. you wouldn't so, go and be like, oh, I'm terminating the deal because the staircase is a little loose, right? But there no. are, there are certain things that you guys pay a lot of attention to. So 
people look for big ticket items, right? So yeah. big ticket items, items are usually, you know, foundation issues, um, water penetration, um, mold, um, you know, those are the big ticket items, right? So if there's issues with that, it can, you know, possibly be a deal breaker where, you know, uh, I advise the client not to buy the place. I think out of, um, you know, I've been doing this for, like I said, 12 years, I am a little bit north of 8,500 plus inspections oh, in wow. my okay. career. Yeah. So out of those 8,500 plus inspections, I would say maybe 10, 15 times I've flat out told the buyer, like, no, I don't want you buying this house because this is a disaster. Can you give an example of like one of the houses that like, one of, what were the issues that it was a disaster? Like, and it, usually when it's something like that, it's a foundational issue. Foundational. So it's either the, 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 the house is like crumbling in. Yeah. Uh, tilting uh, or like there's like such a big crack in a section where you need to rebuild the entire foundation. And, you know, these repairs, it, when it's that bad, you're looking, you know, 50,000 plus, sometimes even more. Yeah, so, it's not worth it, And it's right? sometimes yeah. it's, it's not, it might not be worth it. Um, so that's usually the times that I say, you know what, I don't advise you to buy this house because you're going to be stuck doing, you know, tens of thousands or even hundred thousand dollars worth of foundational repair and it might not be worth it. And it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's going to take weeks or even a month to, to you know, do all this. Yeah. So for foundation, like I know when you're outside the house in the summertime, you can look older houses have cracks on the side for structural issues. What are a major sign to look out for? Like say like if I'm walking in, I don't have a home inspector right now. Um, but before I put the offer, what, what can I look out for? So if, the, if it's an unfinished basement, you walk around in the basement. Um, you can, you look for, you look for cracks, right? You look for, you know, vertical cracks. Typically a normal house usually gets anywhere between three to five. Yeah. I see cracks, cracks always in the base, unfinished basements. Yeah. But like, is it, how long does it have to be? Does it have to be like thickness? Like, so yeah. So uh, if it's vertical cracks, it's usually fixable on a poured foundation. Okay. Um, it's called either epoxy, epoxy injection. So basically like an injection repair for vertical cracks. It's pretty common. Yeah. If it, um, you know, even when it's going on a 45 degree angle, it gets a little bit more concerning. Um, but again, depends on how long it is, how thick it is, whatnot. When you start seeing horizontal cracks in foundations, that's when it's- That's when the issue is when it's like, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so vertical cracks are acceptable to a point. Um, again, it needs to be evaluated properly to know exactly how good or bad the crack is or yeah. if it's an easy fix or, or, or a major fix. But typically any normal house usually gets, especially like newer houses, three to five cracks is pretty common for, okay. for it. Or in the basement. In the basement. Even okay. out, and then- and, Even outside on the, on the, outside on the outside, perimeter? Outside, yeah. You'll see it on the foundation. You'll see the, you know, you, you usually see the crack in the inside the foundation and on the exterior as well. You start seeing cracks on the bricks. So it uh, depends on the thickness of it. And, you know, if it's like a stair step crack going like this through the brick. So that can determine like how the house settled or if it's still settling. Yeah. Um, sometimes it might be an area like I've gone to houses where looking at the, the crack and the way it is and the angle whatnot, you can see that the house or one section of the house is sinking. Oh, okay. So yeah. when it's like that, then that's something you don't want to really deal with. Yeah. yeah. So um, there hasn't been many houses I've come across like that, but I have come across maybe two or three okay. where, you know, one section was sinking. So you can see like, it's actually like pulling away. Oh, wow. That's right? crazy. Yeah. So yeah. those are some things. So cracks is usually the main things that you as a buyer 
potentially. Want, yeah, sorry. Can sorry, for, yeah. Brendan, thanks for joining us. Welcome, sorry, welcome, like welcome. Entrance. Yeah. welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Sorry to interrupt you. Sorry, TJ, you got interrupted. Brendan, welcome. Yeah. Thank you for joining thanks. us. Yeah, sorry I'm running late today. <laughs> yeah, I know and Toronto, Toronto traffic. Yeah, right? just jumping right in here. Yeah. Sorry I interrupted so, you. So, yeah, we'll just continue. Sorry, TJ, continue about the foundation. You were talking about the split. So yeah, so some houses, if, if you go and you start seeing stair step cracks, then yeah. that can mean that the house is actually pulling away and it's sinking in an, in an area. So those are the ones you kind of don't want to deal with. You want to, you know, stay away from those kind of houses. So um, cracks is pretty much the main thing that you want to look in um, for a house. Like as a buyer, if you're walking around and you see all kinds of cracks, vertical, horizontal, or, you know, even in the, on the foundation or the bricks, then it might be something that you want to be uh, cautious about before um, proceeding with proceeding that purchase. Right? So how big uh, sh- will, like, for it to be a concern, how big must the crack be? Like, I feel it, like there's a certain... You know what? It's uh, it's really hard to answer that because the reason being is sometimes there's a big crack, but the grading is so good outside that water doesn't even go anywhere near it. So that crack may never have um, had any signs of intrusion at all on the inside. Okay. And then there might be a crack that might be like a hairline fracture, yeah. but the grating and everything on the outside is so bad. So water is actually promoting towards that crack. And then I might see moisture water penetration through that little crack. Um, while we're at it, like for new home, new homes like uh, Terion, um, if water's coming in within the first two years, they will fix it for you. Right? Yeah. But there might be, like I said, three to five cracks is average. Some one or two cracks may have some kind of water moisture signs. They'll fix it for you. Some of them will never leak, even though uh, they might be bigger cracks than the ones that are leaking, but they won't fix it unless it's leaking. What they consider to be structural is usually, uh, which is covered up to the seven-year point, is when the crack is over six millimeters wide, then they consider it structural and then they'll, they will, they'll fix it. So after the two years, say your crack is only four millimeters and there's water coming through it, they they're not going to fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. got to be over six. So Got it's, you. you know, six is, six millimeters is, is thick. That's yeah. So during that home inspection, um, so if you detect water intrusion, what, what do you do at that point? So I advise the client, okay, there, okay, this is how much it may cost to fix. Uh, you can fix it from the interior or you can fix it from the exterior. Most vertical cracks, epoxy injections are, you know, 500 to about 750 for a single crack. Yeah. More cracks, obviously it'll be cheaper, right? I've, the, I think the most cracks I've seen in a house is like 13 cracks, okay. which wasn't too, too long ago. I think it was about two, three weeks and ago. That's all in the basement? It's all in the basement. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. I think it was in Stouffville, but it had like 13 cracks. That's probably the most I've ever seen in a house. I'm not going to um, ask who the builder was. And I don't, I don't remember. It, was a, it wasn't a new home. It, it wasn't was a new home. home. It was oh, okay, a 15, okay. 20 year old home. But um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of cracks, right? Um, it happens. Foundation shifts. Yeah. It moves, so yeah. that's, it's normal, right? Yeah. So uh, the other thing is, so interior 500 to 750 to do an epoxy injection to fix it from the inside. Now, if it's a finished basement, you don't want to break open the wall from the inside. You can do it from the exterior. So now you're excavating outside. Oh, that's usually. a lot of money, right? Depends. So people think it's, so if you're just fixing a single crack, what most guys do is they'll, so if the crack is in the middle, they'll dig it five feet, two and a half feet on one side, two and a half feet on the other side, and then two feet out. So that's how somebody can get inside to dig and do the waterproofing. So to do something like that, the the company I work with, um, they charge usually about 1500 bucks 
to do it. The reason is it's full manual labor. Somebody's manually digging yeah. it five feet by, you know, eight, nine feet deep. So, and then, you know, they, they seal the crack, they'll put the waterproof membrane and then they'll put all the soil back and then okay. you know, it'll never leak again after that. Okay. So yeah. you definitely need a professional, you need for, a professional that. for that. Yeah. You need a professional. What's for it, that. How long will that take to do? Is it like they usually do it in one day. One day? Yeah, yeah. They'll do it in one day, but then they have to call um, the on call to yeah. do the locates. Oh, so, okay. you know, that where you're digging, there might be a telephone line, there might be a gas line, right? So they make sure that, you know, they call the locates yeah. and then after the locates are done, they know, okay, it's safe to dig here. There's nothing underground that we're going to damage or you okay. know, that's going to burst and then they do it. But yeah, usually one day. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So that kind of leads into another question I wanted to ask. I want to ask, what are some do it yourself projects you would not recommend for someone to do it on their own like you definitely need to hire a professional i think back like some funny sitcoms i used to watch like home improvement tim two man taylor you know trying yeah. to fix the electrical on his i think dishwasher you know he gets shocked pliers go flying through the wall yeah. like what are some things that you really should not try and so um i would say electrical, electrical yeah yeah plumbing gas Okay. Anything with, you know, furnaces. So plumbing, why, why plumbing? Yeah, gas for sure. Because usually the, the plumbing is, water is usually the most dangerous thing for a house. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Because you might not be able to figure out where it's coming from. It might be leaking in one area, but it's not exiting until maybe 10, 15, 20 feet away. So sometimes it's really hard to locate leaks, right? It's not, sometimes it's easy, but sometimes it's not. So water is usually, you know, uh, and it slowly does damage over time. Slowly, slowly. Yeah. Right? If there's a fire, you you see the fire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. if there's a gas leak, you can you, you know smell it. You yeah. can well, or at least the, yeah. Yeah. the smoke detector, carbon monoxide detector goes off. So for, for smoke detectors, what are the rules for smoke detectors? Because I've walked into houses and there's been no smoke de smoke detectors. So the rule now, the current rule is you need to have a smoke a strobe light in every single bedroom. And okay. then you need to have a carbon, a smoke and a strobe light in the common area. So in the, you know, so if it's a two story house in the hallway of the bedroom, you should have a, yeah. a strobe light, a carbon monoxide detector and a smoke. The living room you're supposed to have a carbon smoke and, and a strobe light. And then in the basement, okay. same thing. If, if there's basements, finished. if they're finished yeah. and they have bedrooms, you should have carbon smoke and, Strobe light. But if the basement is not finished, you still have. You still have to have one. You, have to have you one? still have to have one central one, which need, would be the carbon smoke and a strobe light. I need to check my basement and see. And they need to all be yeah. so any new thing. They need to be interconnected. And what I mean by interconnected is when one goes off, they all, all of them go off. off. Okay. So yeah. what what do you mean by strobe light? Is strobe this, light is basically like a light, flashing white light. Flash so it's for light. so they decided to you know like oh, deaf people can't hear. So what do we do? So after. You know, fifty years of smoke detectors. They're like, oh, we need to take care of the impaired people as well. So yeah. they they brought the strobe light. So at least it's something visually, and they can observe it visually. Okay, condos. What are the rules for condos? Just one, or is it multiple? Um, I have so new condos. I, you know what? I've only seen one. I don't think I've seen any in the bedrooms. I don't know the exact like code requirements oh, okay. for condos. To be honest. But from memory, and I do a lot of like PDIs for condos, I usually only see one, one. in the in in the hallways. The hallways, yeah. yeah. Sorry, question to jump. Uh, yeah. Your place? Do you have a deck? 
Do I have a deck? No. There's code. Like some people want to do these things themselves, like build a deck and whatever. Do you know like how that works? Do you like look at that stuff? Like decks to see if like yes, they're if built to code and so not really to code, basically more for safety. Safety. Right? So because it could be, you know, there's somebody built a deck 20 years ago. Anytime you're attaching a deck to the foundation of the house, you're supposed to get a permit. Yeah. I don't know if they got a permit. A lot of people don't get no, permits. No, yeah, a lot, lot of people of, don't. No, barely anyone so gets if it's not yeah. attached to the, you know, to the house itself, then yeah. you can build a deck without a permit. But yeah. anytime you're attaching it to the house, then you're supposed to technically have a, a building permit. Yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, I look for the stability of the deck to see if there's proper supports, um, if there's, you know, if it's leaning in any way or if it's sinking. There's times I always find like a deck might be sinking in one corner because the footing wasn't done properly or whatnot. So okay. anytime you do a deck, you're supposed to dig four feet deep and then yeah. you're supposed to pour concrete and then put the footings. Okay. That's the best way. The reason four feet is when it's winter, the ground freezes four feet. Oh. Yeah. So if you do it above four feet, what happens is it freezes. When it freezes, everything hardens up. It pushes it up. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so that's yeah. why they say, you know, like the four feet is what you're supposed to dig to do any kind of like, like footings for decks. Um, yeah. okay, cool. I don't know if you touched on this before I got here, but um, what are some things homeowners can do? Did you touch on no. that? So what are some things homeowners can do around their home uh, to get themselves prepared for winter? Uh, for winter. So number one thing you should uh, shut off your water lines for the garage in the backyard. Right. So usually I personally like to use Halloween as a, a marker for myself. Okay. So usually when it's Halloween, I'm like, oh, let me go turn off the water lines. Cause you're usually not going to be using or washing your car after October or, you know, watering your lawn after October. Right. Yeah. So I usually turn it off. So you got to shut it off from the inside. So you make sure that it's done or else there's a possibility that water staying in that pipe could freeze and burst the pipe. Right. Okay. And sometimes you won't know until, Weather gets better and then you, you start just start seeing water like spraying everywhere or your basement's wet and you're like, where the hell does this water coming from? It's actually the pipe that bursted. Yeah, yeah. Right? I'm sure so, a lot of people forget to like. So I, I forgot to turn off the water for the hose outside. Yep. And yeah, pipe burst in the basement. Yep. And, and when I came, what was it? May, April, May, June. I turned, I in the basement, turned on the water. Yeah. And just... Yeah. So going to shock the pipe burst. Yeah, and- ha- happens all the time. Yeah, So that's that's one thing to prepare for winter. The other thing is if you're, um, I mean, all houses you should do it, but especially if you live in a house where there's a lot of trees around, you want to have your like gutters, like your eaves troughs fully cleaned. Yeah. If they're clogged and then, you know, snow, they usually, like, eaves troughs usually freeze up anyway, Yeah, right? From the snow. But if there's leaves and stuff clogging it, then when it, at least when it thaws, it's going to at least drain away. But if it's not, then what will happen is it'll actually like overflow and it can flow inwards okay. through the soffits into your house. Gotcha. Right? Oh, so okay. you want to make sure that your eaves drop. So basically, you know, as soon as all the leaves are done falling, you should go up there or hire somebody to, you know, just clean out your eaves drops and downspouts and everything. Make sure that it's not clogged. And Perfect. I think, you know, companies charge like $150, $200 to yeah, do it. It's, it's so not if you're not going to, if you don't feel comfortable climbing on a roof, just hire somebody to do yeah, it. It's not, yeah, yeah, done. Yeah. It's not, uh, yeah. It's what about like maybe for their furnace or sump pump in the basement? Like S- sump pump, you don't really have to do anything for the winter because it's 
you know, as long as it's uh, it's a functional sump pump and it's good to have a backup battery. Okay. If you do, because if there's power outages, um, you know, you want to make sure that your sump pump is working, especially if it's an active sump pump. I live in a property with two sump pumps and my sump pumps doesn't matter the time of the year. They go off about 10 times a day. Oh, really? So mine are very active. So I have backup batteries on it because if there's no power, like the water will literally just start overflowing yeah, yeah. from the sump pump pits. So there's not much, you know, maintenance for sump pumps. Like when they go, they go. And it's like 500 bucks to replace uh, like a normal sump pump. Yeah, okay. Um, if it's not an active sump pump, like some sump pumps I go to, and like the pits are completely dry, I still test it. There's just a little float you lift it and then it'll start like working, right? So you want to test it. If it's an active area, then you don't really need to because you know it's constantly, you can hear it working and the water being flushed out. Yeah. Um, but some pumps, there's not yeah too much maintenance uh, f- for some pumps. Um, I we uh, slightly talked about furnace filters. Every three months, you should be changing your furnace filter okay. for a one inch filter, and then every six months, if it's a four inch filter, yeah. So you should be changing that. And then what else can you do for winter? There's got to be so many people that don't do that. I think I I'm told him. I told him like freaking go like six months. Yeah, no, I just said that too. I didn't know. <laughs> I don't know if Chris. It puts more strain on the furnace too. When the yeah. filter's not changed and it's clogged, it's harder for the air to pass through. So like the furnace is working more it's over harder yeah. because the, there's no proper you know, airflow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I want to talk about mold a little bit. Okay. Um, like what, how does mold come? What are some stories you've, you've experienced with mold? What's good mold? What's bad mold? What's the process yeah. of mold? Cause like I know addicts always have mold, but like yeah. a lot of people don't know there's different types of mold and there, yeah, there's white mold, there's green yeah. mold, there's uh black mold. Those are usually the most common ones that you find in house. Black mold is the most common that I find in houses. Um, it's called Strombriachi something. Okay. <laughs> okay. But we just call it black mold. Yeah. So that's the most common one. Um, usually older homes, um, typically bungalows. Usually 25% of bungalows that I inspect usually have attic mold because it's usually ventilation. It's usually ventilation or it might be a water leak uh, or moisture uh, penetration through the shingles. So if the shingles are really bad, moisture starts penetrating. If there's not enough ventilation, then, you know, because in the winter it's freezing in there, right? It's like if it's minus 20 outside, it's probably minus 20, 25 in the attic as well. And then you have heat that's rising from the house, from the furnace. So that's where, you know, hot and cold meet. And then that's when it becomes, turns into water, right? Like condensation. Yeah. If there's not, if there's proper ventilation, the condensation doesn't happen. But if there isn't proper ventilation, it starts to condensate. And that's what, you know, like water just sits, sits there on the wood and, you know, water and wood, obviously, eventually it starts to rot and then mold starts to form. So usually okay. mold needs moisture to, to breathe, to breathe yeah. and, uh, you know, just form itself. So um, water penetration, uh, not enough ventilation, air circulation, all these things. Yeah, you'll find them always, like, not always, but in a lot of bathrooms. Yeah, yeah. bathrooms, like, commonly you'll find mold around the, the, shower, the tub. The tub, yeah. Uh, yeah. And in that's, shower, that's normal. Yeah. That's normal because yeah. water's sitting there. So, you know, you should be changing your caulking in your showers, in your bathtubs, like every Usually every two, three years, you should be, depending yeah. how much usage there is. And then, you know, uh, y- then you're good. 
But sometimes you go to a house and, you know, it's just fully black everywhere. It's just mold. But, yeah, it's bad. And people get freaked out. Like buyers get freaked out. And I tell them it's it's very common because it's just a bathroom. Yeah. All you got to do is really just strip the old mold off, clean it, and yeah. then just reapply new caulking and you're yeah. good. That's like the living arrangement uh, that me and your brother had in Hamilton. Oh, in Hamilton? Yeah, yeah. Mold everywhere. Yeah, those the student housing. It's because they didn't <laughs> clean the bathroom. That's why. No, no, no. <laughs> the reason. It was in bedrooms. It was everywhere. Bedroom, kitchen, bathroom, yeah. everywhere. Student housings are special. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're uh, they're special. Yeah. You got ten guys sometimes, or yeah. ten females, and like two bathrooms. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. bound to they're, happen. Yeah, it's, it was bad. Yeah, student yeah. housing bathrooms are like, a disaster. When we moved into our house at Whippy. I don't know if you've seen this, but within the first week, we saw mushrooms growing in our bedroom against the baseboards. Oh, that's bad. So free, free mushrooms, huh? Yeah, free mushrooms. <laughs> but so like it was like it was a little damp, right? So we kept an eye on it. We're like, it was been pouring rain outside. It was snowing. Then one day my, my wife now was like, there's mushrooms. I took a picture of it and I'm like, just call the builder, get them to fix it. And obviously they're like, no, no, there's no issues. Right. Yeah, yeah. But we forced them to come in. But have you seen like, what do you mean? No issues? I've seen, I have seen the, like yeah. mushrooms. Um, like they cut the wall out. They had to cut the wall out, replace the carpet. They had to air, they had to put heat, heat to they did like a bunch of stuff, fans, all yeah, this yeah, stuff. Those, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, the humidifiers. But yeah, have you seen humidifier. like mushrooms? Like what I causes have, that to grow it's in just, the house? It's just like a lot of humidity, moisture, water. Yeah. That's what causes it to grow. So oh, if wow. it's mushrooms, it, it would have been some kind of really bad water intrusion or something. Yeah. Or for it to be I think mushrooms. the drainage. I'm trying to think. There was no, it was in the backyard. The window was facing the backyard. I don't know even know where it would have come There must from. have been some water or something coming from a windowsill yeah, or, yeah. or something for that to happen. Cause it, was, it was three weeks of occupancy. So it was like immediate. So maybe. The other thing could also be no insulation in the wall. Oh. So again, condensation. Yeah. Like cold is just coming in. The heat from the inside. And that's where it's meeting is the wall turns into water and then you know it's just yeah. damp moist and then the mold starts to grow yeah so give me an example of if you had to name two or three defects that could really hinder the sale of a home foundation issues um possibly mold depending how much it is how much mold there is um and then water penetration Okay. those are usually the big items yeah they seem right like usually ones. yeah because sometimes they're not even worth it to fix it Mold, like I said, 25% of attics I inspect, usually bungalows have attic mold. Uh, to remediate that professionally, it's usually, you know, it's not tens of thousands, right? Like on average, I work with uh, about two companies and, you know, I refer them probably two, three houses a week. Um, and mold. it's usually, on, yeah, for mold, attic mold, usually attic mold. And it can, it ranges anywhere between 2000 to $3,000 for a normal attic, Right. Um, and this is this is not like a hundred percent mold in the attic, like. But no, yeah, two to three thousand dollars, you can get it professionally remedied. So if it's really, really, really bad, then you're looking at like four or five thousand. Sometimes, if the plywood is really bad with mold, you can't even remedy it. You have to replace it. So when you have to replace it, you got to take off the shingles. Oh wow, that's replace the plywood, replace and the then you might have to even replace the insulation, depending if the insulation has been contaminated or not. So then it can be about 10 grand if you're doing all that or more because you got to replace insulation, plywood, plus the shingles. So if it's like really bad and rotting, then you can't really just repair it. You got to replace it. But 90% of them you can remediate from the inside. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. So it's, not, it's not as bad. It's not as scary than I guess is. No, sometimes people, people think, like, yeah. you know, people like, oh my God, mold, right? I'm like, no, it's not that bad. Like, it's very common. Well, there are people like Brendan who just live in mold and student housing. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't complain no, about No choice back then. <laughs> All right. But um, I don't know if you touched on this, um, but how long would an inspection report be valid for? No, I haven't. No. So there's no like set there's nothing in set. So my um, liability, like my heirs and insurance, so they usually say it's for, for, for anything one year. Okay. But there is limitations. So say you've been living in a house for six months and then, you know, uh, you're in the living room and then water's coming and above it is your bathroom. You know, a pipe can leak in six months from after the inspection. It can leak yeah, that, two, yeah, two weeks true. after, right? So it's, and it's, again, it can be... It, something that was loose that was in the walls that we weren't able to see, or maybe something got loose or something bursted. So there, and I get calls like that all the time where people are like, Hey, we've been here for six months. And then, you know, we have a water leak and, uh, from our bathroom into your, our living room. I'm like, okay, well, you've been living there six months. Yeah, something happened. Yeah. yeah. You know, something can happen two weeks after you, you live in. Right. But if you move in and then, you know, the, there's a structural issue where the house is falling apart and, you know, that was something that was already there that I missed, then, you know, definitely you can sue me. Um, you know, I do have liability coverage for those for real, real estate agents when they're like, when a buyer or seller, or seller requests um, home inspection, that's still valid for like a year or is it like within 30, 60 days? Um, like, like if I come to you and I'm selling a house, like if Brendan's listing a house yeah. and you, you request a home inspection. So that is only for the home owner it's home not owner. transferable so if somebody bought it based on uh, it was a provided service but it wasn't provided to them yeah they can't go after because that contract is not transferable okay, so if, I, if you're selling your house i did an inspection for you and you use that report and then somebody else a potential buyer looked at it they can't sue me because it wasn't done for them yeah for me so what, sorry what's the cost of an inspection uh, average home inspection, you're looking between 400 to 500. Okay. So generally in like a hotter market, when things were moving a little bit faster, you find like as a seller, it's worth it to, to get that ahead of time. Even right now I'm doing a lot of pre-lists because, you know, things are sitting on the market a lot longer. Yeah. So people want to know like, Hey, like I don't want a home inspection to happen. And then a bunch of stuff comes up and then they ask me for like 20, $30,000 price reduction. So yeah. let me just do it. So I know what I'm selling. And I can just disclose it, say, hey, these are the problems with my house. So I price my house accordingly. Okay. So, you know, yeah, so I've been sense. doing a lot of uh, pre-lists as well. Like, so again, it really depends on the real estate agent's approach, how they want it. Right? Okay. So I do the inspection, I give it to them. Some people, I don't know if they even um, share that report with anyone because it's so bad. Yeah. So, yeah. but that, I don't know what happens. Like I send it to the, usually the home, my homeowner. Yeah. And then, um, you know, if it's the realtor that requested me to go, I'll send them a copy. It's good to have. And then that's it. What they do with it after, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. How many, how many, uh, home inspections do you normally do in a year? A year? Um, prior to COVID, oh, yeah. um, 2018 and 2019 were my busiest years. I did, um, I can't remember which year what, but I know uh, 2018 it was, uh, or 2019, it was a 1,076 one year. That was oh, the wow. most I've ever done yeah. in, a, in, a, in an annual year. And then the other one was 1,024, 25 something. 
So, but that was prior to COVID. Prior to COVID. But before that, I was, you know, I think I was only averaging like the first five, six years, I was only averaging maybe about 500. Okay. And now, maybe, maybe less. Maybe when less. COVID came, I guess, home inspection stopped. Uh, it didn't stop. But it like for me since COVID, um, I haven't passed the 700 mark. So 2020, 2021, 2022, I was hitting like 650, yeah. 670, 680. This 2022, this year is the first year I've passed 700 yeah. since COVID. So it took a 30% dip for my business itself. But then I also like, you know, I used to put in like 80, 90 hours a week. So like just in summer times, you know, it's still. It's busy in summer, right? Eight yeah. o'clock, I could still start an inspection because it's still bright as hell outside. Yeah. yeah but right now, five o'clock is dark. So the last inspection I can start is at like 4.30, 4.45 is the latest, unless it's a condominium, yeah. right? So that as soon as that time change in winter happens, like maximum I can maybe do is four. And, and that's even me starting at like 7 a.m., um, yeah, I know you started early today too. Yeah. So today I have four. Yeah. I, I could have gotten four. If I didn't do this podcast, yeah. I could have yeah. gotten four. I have three today. So, so on an average day, how much do you do? Uh, three, it depends four? on the month, yeah. but like, you know, two to three. Yeah. Two to three a day usually. Okay. And you're all around the GTA? All around. All yeah. around the Ontario, GTA. I should say. Because I know you came to not, Waterloo. Well, <laughs> Ontario, yeah, I go, usually try not to go past like Kitchener, yeah. Waterloo, Cambridge, yeah. West, and then North, I Try not to go past Barry, East, Belleville. Try yeah. to. I live in the East, so Belleville is only like an hour, hour okay. fifteen minutes for me. I have gone to Kingston and stuff here and there. Depends if it's really slow or if it's like a, uh, if it's a bigger house or bigger like commercial or like larger one, I go. But if it's just an average, you know, house, it's not really worth my time to drive out. People ask me to go to London all the time. It's like no. two and a half hour drive. Yeah. It's not even worth it for me to go down there. Yeah. And I usually try to stop in like uh, um, Hamilton, Stony Creek area. So. So I know we were talking earlier about home inspections on pre-construction. Yeah. So new homes, is it worth getting a home inspector to inspect a brand new house or? I Yeah, I do usually about, I would say about probably 10 Terrions a month. Most of them are 30 days or one year. Okay. Um, I got into it. Like I said, I hired a guy for my first year, yeah. Terry on. That's how I got into home inspections. Right. So, um, and I didn't know nothing. The guy at that time, he found 44, 44, 46 defective items that I thought I'm like, Oh, it looks fine to me. But he's like, no, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm like, Oh shit. I didn't know that. So, um, you should do it. One again, if you're first time buyers, uh, it's edu very educational. Two, you want to know if certain things were done. Sometimes a leak is not going to be visible to you until it gets really bad. It might've been leaking for weeks or even months, but it won't, maybe it didn't come through the ceiling or the wall until two, three months later. The way we can detect that is, I mean, I can't even see with my naked eye if there's a leak. Yeah. Here. I have like a thermal imaging camera that will pick up the leak. So you like, there's so many tools and technology that help me do my job that I wasn't able to do when I started 12 years ago. Right. Um, the guy that I did my inspection, you know, in, uh, 2008 thermal imaging cameras were like $10,000. He didn't have wow. one. I didn't even know what it was at that time, but he didn't do one. He didn't have one. So, but he still came in. Like 40 stuff, bucks. Yeah. But yeah, he when I started in 2012, stuff, yeah. I paid about $4,000 for it. Now you can get, 
you know, three, $400, you can attach one to the back of your iPhone, or you can get like a normal one for like a thousand bucks. So it's more affordable as well. Um, and like a thermal imaging camera helps so much on an inspection for leaks, um, moisture, um, humidity, if there's no insulation behind walls, if there's like draft coming into your house, all these things I could see on a thermal imaging camera, right? Yeah, I know. Um, so the, I've been to houses, brand new houses where, you know, uh, bedrooms were fully completed and they're like, oh, it's, it's cold in here all the time. And then I do a thermal scan and then an entire exterior wall will not be insulated, oh, wow. like zero insulation, right? How do you really know that unless you break it open? I was able to tell because of the thermal imaging camera. That it looked perfectly can, fine. Yeah. It was finished perfectly fine. I guess that they ran out of insulation. The drywall guy came the next day and he's like, shit, I don't want to come back here to finish this oh, one uh, wall. So let me just put it up and off he goes. It's, you know, builders are not yeah. building the house. It's 20 different contractors from 20 different companies yeah. that are building the house, right? Yeah, taking so, little shortcuts and cheating, trying to get home early or yeah, whatever. Right, so, you know, I've gone to houses where like, you know, they uh, like bathrooms or bedrooms where the flooring is fully done and they cover the duct. Don't so <laughs> I'm like, oh, how come there's no duct in here? Yeah, and I've then seen it's that just before. the flooring was, because the guy was just too lazy to cut out the yeah. little yeah, four yeah, by yeah. 10 hole for the duct to put the reg register on yeah, it. Yeah, so, yeah. I, but the good thing is when I'm running the heat, I can, with the thermal scanner, I can pinpoint where the duct is because I can feel the heat coming out in a, that little square area, right? So I'll be like, I'll make a little mark saying, okay, the duct is somewhere in here. Okay. Right? Um, so new houses, honestly, they're not what they used to be. No. Like they're built like building blocks and they go up really quickly. Yeah. I find more problems probably with, newer homes than older, older homes. ones. I was like, going to say that too. And, like, and more so, the other thing is so much cosmetic defects, painting, drywall. I've gone to houses where like ceilings are like on an angle, right? So these are all things that shouldn't be there. And then sometimes it's visible to the, to your average person, but sometimes, you know, people are living there like, oh my God, I've been here for so long. I never noticed this. I'm yeah. like, well, I'm trained to see, to see that, yeah, other yeah. things, right? So it's just, it's just my specialty, I guess, to pay attention to things that normal people don't. Um, I advise it because anything and any defect, it's usually covered on your first year. So we just you get it done. You give it to the to, to Terry on, you give it to the builder and it'll get fixed for you for free. And then the second year, it uh, oh, usually only mechanical things are covered for the two years on the Terry on. Yeah. So electrical, plumbing, any mechanical devices for two years. And then the seven years only for structural defects. So second year is not as much, you know, main things are like, if there's not an outlet not working or a leak in the plumbing, you know, like yeah. you don't need a home inspector to yeah. know there's a leak under the sink, for example. But yeah. if it's in the walls or something, that's different. Yeah. So those things you don't need to really hire. Uh, I don't think you need to hire an inspector to do your second year. No. Usually the first, first year is, is what I would highly recommend or um, even the 30 day. Right, depending. Yeah, see what it is. Yeah. Um, TJ, thank you for coming. We're just about running out of time. Um, if you could just let our viewers know how they can reach you, what's the best way to get hold of you? Uh, you can follow me on IG. It's uh, TJ the Home Inspector. No space, just straight like that. Or um, my website, iinspectgta.com. Or my phone number, 647-680-0260. Um, yeah, and so you can send me a text, give me a call, send me an email. Or just shoot me a message on IG. So 
Awesome. Well, well yeah. yeah. Thanks again for joining. This was a great episode yeah. and. Yeah, Brendan, thank you for joining us too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, hopefully I we'll have you back. Um, we'll have you back uh, next again. year because yeah. I got a lot of crazy home inspection stories. Yeah. I'd love to we'll, share. We'll with have people. an episode of just you telling us stories. <laughs> that's what we want. Yeah, to hear. that'd yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, the shit I see, man. <laughs> yeah, that's for a part. Epic. That's for part two. Part two. Yeah. All right, thanks, All right, thanks for coming. Right. Um, follow us on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. Yeah, thank you.